0: Did I tell you the story about the the peacock? I didn't tell you that story. Oh, it's a colorful tale. That was a lot of work I did just to get to that one line. All right, I hope you paid attention during worship because the scripture was read. Get your Bibles out, iPhones, scrolls, whatever you brought with you. Uh, if the prayer books, inside the prayer book for the year is the book of Acts. It's printed there so that you can make fun of my jokes. You can take notes during the messages. Uh, if you don't have a prayer journal, they're 10 bucks out in the lobby or they're free. All right. Because we want you to have one. If you don't have $10, don't worry about it. nobodys They're going to hand it to you and say, we want you to pray. It's filled with all kinds of tools to get you to pray throughout the year. Places for notes, devotional thoughts, all that kind of stuff. But bring it with you. Take notes during the message, whatever, whatever you want to do. But I want to tell you a story today based on what the the, the text there in Acts 2 and it's, it's a long passage. But to summarize what happened last week, Pastor Cord preached about the first day of the church. And it happened on the day of Pentecost. And what happened? The Holy Spirit fell and the disciples began to speak in other languages. Now, don't miss that. They were not babbling and carrying on. There was not some crazy stuff going on. They were speaking in languages. Now, how do I know that? It says there were people there for the celebration of Pentecost, and they were there from Persia and Arabia, and they were Jews, and they were Romans, and they were from Cyrene. There are people from all over North Africa and Libya. There, All these people were there. The Holy Spirit falls, their tongues of fire, and they begin to speak in other languages and they tell the people all about Jesus about his virgin birth about his life, about the resurrection from the dead and the people hear it in their own languages this is powerful stuff right so the people do what people normally do when God does something great, they said you guys must be drunk Peter said no, it's Only nine in the morning. And what you heard, you know full well, was not a bunch of gibberish, There were people speaking in Persian, there were people speaking in Arabic, there were people speaking in Roman, there were people, or Italian, whatever they spoke back then, there were people speaking in all these different languages. This is not crazy stuff. There were people there understanding the gospel for the very first time. And we know that because at the end of this chapter, 3,000 men are going to get baptized. 8,000 women 15,000 kids. There might have been 30,000, 40,000 people saved that first day. We really don't know. But this powerful story happens, all right, on Pentecost. I decided to have some fun with that. I've only been doing this 40 years. I thought, there's got to be a little more to this. So I started digging. The word Pentecost. Anybody want to help me? 50. It's, a Greek, it's the Greek word for 50. 50 days after the Passover. The Passover happens every year where the sacrifice for sin was offered in the temple in Jerusalem. Once a year, a perfect, spotless lamb was sacrificed. Jesus died on the cross at the exact moment that the Passover lamb was being killed. All right? We know that for a fact. Right? You can go back and read through the, the end of the gospel stories and they will tell you that. But 50 days after Passover every year, the Jewish people celebrated another festival. They didn't call it Pentecost because that's a Greek word. They called it the festival of weeks or the festival of ingathering. For we Americans, it would have been sort of like a Thanksgiving It's the beginning of the barley harvest. It's the beginning of the wheat harvest. But the phrase that they use is the word in-gathering. Don't lose that. What's the purpose of the church? To gather in people. To bring people to Christ. This day would not be lost on them, okay? So I did a a deeper dive. I thought, okay, festival of weeks. What's so important about this? Pretty good evidence that Jesus was born on that exact day. Because he'd be the one that was going to bring all of us back home. You're like, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was born on December 25th. You all know better than that. That's, that's a takeover of a pagan holiday. It's a great time. And there's nothing in the Bible that says we have to celebrate Jesus' birthday. But if you want to know when it was, it was probably in late May, early June. It was on Pentecost. Feel free to check me out and challenge me on all of this. So then I did a little deeper dive through ancient rabbinic writings. The day Moses got the Ten Commandments on the mountain was on the day of Pentecost. I thought, well, isn't that interesting? So I went back a little further. The day God put the rainbow in the sky for Noah, same day. Same day. Now, feel free to challenge me, and i if you're a non-believer, I, either I just convince you to believe the Bible and accept Jesus, or at least do some radical study to do your best to prove me wrong. But the crazy thing is, the rabbis that wrote about all this stuff, they didn't know anything about Jesus. They were writing about this 2,000 years ago, was talking about that it was the same day that the rainbow, the Moses, the birth of Jesus, they're just recording history. So does it make sense that on this same day that God would birth his church? This is good stuff, right? Anybody still awake? You with me? All right. So the crowd that's not believing yet said, you guys must be drunk. Peter said, look, you guys don't have an alcohol problem. You guys have a hearing problem. And he said, you need to learn to listen. Because what just happened here is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, the Spirit would fall on men and women, and they would prophesy, and they would speak in other languages. And he said, you all just watched it happen. Now, what's cool, all right? I've sat in people's homes, not in all these countries, but in a lot of these countries. And I will ask them this question. I'll say, how did your family come to know Jesus? And they'll say, you ever read the book of Acts, Joe? And I go, a couple times, yeah. And they'll go to Acts 2, and it'll say, and there were there that day people from Persia, Arabia, the Cretans, the Libyans. They'll say, we can trace our Christian heritage back to the day of Pentecost. And they say you're an American. You don't know, have any idea what we're talking about? We're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You have churches that you support that their great great grandparents were there on the day of Pentecost heard the gospel in their own language and Peter says look you guys, you guys have a hearing problem you need to look at the facts and listen to what's actually going on because if you did and you quit listening to the crazy people in your culture you would know that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy do you know the first coming of Jesus was prophesied 300 times how about the second one 500 now if jesus came the first time what do you figure the odds are on the second one all right now, this is just stuff and please check me out don't ever trust me you go go back and read the ancient rabbis we'll have fun romans fifteen four. for everything that was written in the past was written to do what teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures We might have hope. Endurance. Encouragement of the scripture. That's why I keep pounding every week. Be in the word. Be in the word. Be in the word. Because it doesn't matter what your preacher says. Or what the TV guy says. Or the guy on YouTube says. You and I have got to be accountable to what the word of God says. And it is it is there to teach us truth. And to blow our minds. And I hope it did today. Because Peter said, a lot of you, the reason you haven't accepted Jesus yet, you're arguing with me, is because you've got a hearing problem. You're still listening to what the people in the world are saying and what the news media is saying, and you're listening to your professors instead of listening to the Word of God. And I'm going to give you some more on that in just a minute. So, yes, we've got a hearing problem, and Jesus said this in Mark 8. I'll summarize it, but Jesus said... What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? I'll bring that into simple terms. What Jesus said is there's nothing in this world worth going to hell for. Then there's a history lesson. As if the hearing lesson wasn't enough, he says, okay, guys, let's try this again. And he starts walking them through the ancient histories. He goes through Joel, which is only three chapters, by the way, and he talks about the the the, the spirit coming on man at the end times to bring people into christ to bring them the in gathering to bring them in and then he's quoting from david all over the place he's quoting from david psalm 110 he said david talked about putting all of my enemies under my feet on my footstool and that david would would not see decay he keeps quoting that verse but then he says this same jesus that you crucified with the help of angry evil men the same Jesus that you crucified, he has now become both Lord and Christ. Lord and Messiah. Do you know, Darwin said, Darwin said, if you could ever find any organ in the body or in an animal that is more than a simple process, it would by itself disprove evolution. Well, thank you, Charlie, Here, my friends, is a picture of your liver. Your liver sits up in here somewhere. My father has liver cancer right now, so we're very aware of what this is. Your liver does 500 different things in your body. Isn't evolution amazing? Are you kidding me? See, Peter doesn't take them through the world's lessons. He takes them through God's lessons. And in Job chapter 8, I stumbled onto this verse in my devotion time, but listen to this. So there's a debate going on. You know, Job's lost everything and his friends have come to help and blah, blah, blah. He says, ask for the former generations and find out what their fathers learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing. And our days are but a shadow. James says our days are like a mist. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? Hmm. let me help you so we need to find out what it was that Moses believed, what it was that Jesus believed for that matter, we need to know what Washington and Jefferson we need to know what they were thinking but you and I live in a culture that is doing everything it can to eradicate history eradicate history because what could Ridiculous people like Washington and Jefferson have known. What could ridiculous people like Shakespeare have known? What could the ancient scientist know? And I love how his, he says this. He said, you only want to listen to people today who are here but for a moment. And they're gone. But yet when you listen to these guys talk today, you would think they were God. As they stand up to explain medicine to you or science to you. And the ancient pattern is, well, why don't we find out what used to be taught. And let's find out what history has to say. But if you erase history, and make no no doubt about this, the plan is not to erase American history. That's just a bonus. The plan is to erase biblical history. The plan is to eliminate The church. If you have any doubt, look at the craziness that's happening in Canada right now. All right. Listen, the plan has always been Satan's got one plan, whether people know they're being used or not, but you've got to eliminate history. If you're going to make yourself God and you're going to elevate scientists to the level of God and professors to the level of God, then you've got to eliminate God and all the people who have talked about God and learned about God throughout all of history. And Job's advisor said, don't don't you understand these guys are all just a mist in time and they'll be gone. It's an interesting history lesson he walks through. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever wondered about this, but there are 4,200 quote-unquote religions in the world. All right? Because, you know, I try to list some of the big ones sometimes. We talk about it. But there's only one that has an empty tomb. There's only one that has a resurrected Savior. There's, and, and listen. Paul, Paul's very clear in 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus is not raised, forget it. The whole thing's a sham. If Jesus is not raised, take the other 4,200. If Jesus is raised from the dead, then there's only one. Does that make sense? So he rolls him through this history lesson unfolding all of these stories about David and how David was going to have an eternal throne. Well, David's throne has not been there now for a thousand years. There's been kings and other things happening. But Israel hasn't even been a nation for most of this time. They've been under occupation. They've been in captivity. And the, the people are like, well, where's David? Peter's not quite done yet. Now Peter's got one more thing to talk about. And he says, look, not only you have a hearing problem, you have a history problem, but you have a personal problem. Here's the personal lesson that he gives them. He said, you know... You guys are so wrapped up in David. Again, if you're Jewish, this makes sense. You're so wrapped up in David that you missed the whole story of who David was talking about. And he walks them through all those prophecies again. Said his body will never see decay. And Peter says, now I'll tell you this for sure, David died. Now that, I mean, that's not like a really a revelation, is it? Now, where Peter's standing in the upper room, this is where the Last Supper happened. Peter's standing there making this speech with all these people. And he said, the one thing I know for sure is that King David is dead. And this is, I picture him pointing over here. Because King David's tomb is about 200 yards from where he's talking. Here's what it looks like. If you go to Israel, they have this beautiful, cute little box that has red velvet on it. And people go there and they bow and they pray and they carry on because it's David's tomb. And everybody knows it's not David's tomb. But to get to David's tomb, you have to scale down the side of a mountain. And so it's a lot easier to be there at the box with the red velvet. When Peter was standing there, he literally could have been pointing to David's tomb, probably was. He said, the one thing I know for sure, David died. So that story is not about David. So who was David talking about when he said death would not die? That it would finally be conquered? That there would be one who would be raised from the dead that would overcome death, the death and he would reign on David's throne forever? The answer to the question, guys, is Jesus. And he said Jesus proved that he was the messiah the savior that he's lord by coming back from the dead and fulfilling all of these prophecies now so we get to the end of it and the jewish people go okay what do we do now love this about the jewish people you'd never hear an american say that probably not as a family or a church or we're not we're not good at wheeze because we're out of the revolution right so we, I, things. Jewish people, we, things. What do we do? Because they said, we, you're right, he is the Messiah. How, how, how right? 3,000 men, thousands of women, tens of thousands of children, all the first day. That's how right they knew the story was because they'd heard the message in their own language. They got the history lesson and now they've been personally confronted and said, you need to know Jesus. Now, what do you do with all this? Well, number one, if you have not accepted Jesus, you need to. You can come over here to the decision sign online. There's a button. I've decided. The answer was, what do we do? Repent, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. You're going to hear that several times in the next few weeks as we unfold the rest of this. That's the answer to the question. But it's, it's in-gathering. It's the beginning of the church. It's when God gave his commandments. It's when God gave Noah a promise that he would never destroy the earth again with the flood. Do you think God's trying to say, Go tell people about my love and bring them in. See, the more confident the church is about the word of God and the more confident you are about Jesus and the more confident you are about the resurrection, the more bold you're going to be about inviting your friends, neighbors, family, and coworkers, because you know, it's true. And I beg you, don't take my word for it. Even if it hurts your head, go in there and dig this stuff out for yourself, make notes and make notes and say, I've got to prove him wrong on this. He's nuts. Write that down. Fine. And let's talk about it. Do your own work. I want you to do your own work. But I want to finish with this. Uh, we, we have a lot of work we do in the Philippines. You, uh, you've planted a number of churches in the Philippines. You support schools in the Philippines, orphanages in the Philippines. Typhoon hit there a few weeks ago. It really didn't get hardly any play at all. Uh, but the uh, through your generosity, we were able to send $10,000, um, so thank you for that. Um, their homes got wiped out, the churches got wiped out, and one of, one of my friends sent me a text. He goes, where do we start? He said, everything got wiped out. And we were talking, and we said, you know, if it's us, if it's us, start with, start with people's homes, because church can meet anywhere, right? So we got to get people under roof. We got to get food to them. In fact, it's ongoing. Uh, there's still it's still a disaster there. But I want to show you a picture of what church looked like after the typhoon. <clears throat> now, if you're watching at home, and I understand that the picture is not easy to see, if you're watching at home or if you're watching at one of the other campuses, but just so you'll know, the church is full, and the church is. Up the, water. the church has water up to the people's knees and they're still there worshiping. Now hang on. This is where it's going to get quiet. I'm afraid that the American church does not have that kind of strength. To gather together Listen, I know some people are sick. I get that. I've been sick. My wife was sick. Last week I hoped to die, but I made it. Um, uh, You know, um, I get that, but I also know that when we gather together, there's power. And you don't get that. You don't get that if you're watching at home. I'm glad you're watching. And listen, if you're in Washington State or, you know, and you're sick, I understand that. But it's not a substitute for being here. You can't serve from your couch. You can't give from your couch. You can't cry with people who are hurting from your couch. And here's what I want you to think about in this picture. All right? So you are a 10-year-old kid. Dad says, come on, we're going to church. We're going to go worship God today. But Dad, um, we don't have a house. Dad, my clothes are a mess. Dad, we barely are eating. Dad, there's not even a church to go to. Do you think that that 10-year-old child will ever forget the commitment of that Sunday morning? The American church, well, you know, it's come on, we live in Florida it was 45, I mean how can I go out outside when it's 45 it was it was it was raining it was look, you fill in the blanks now my friends up north, I'll give them a little bit of break you know, there's you know, two or three feet of snow All right. you know, I, I want to say to them, man up but I, I'll give them a little break you know, if it happened this morning I'll give them a, I'll give them a little bit of break um, but I'm just afraid that the American church doesn't have this. And I want to tell you something. We need this. Amen. We need this. Peter had the courage to stand up in the middle of a crazy crowd and say, guys, listen, we're not drunk. i give you a hearing test. Then I'm going to give you a history lesson. Then we're going to make it real personal. Let's pray. So, God, I don't know what needs to be done today. I don't know who needs to listen and accept you. I don't know who needs to do some history work and realize they've been lied to by a lot of people about the Bible, that they can trust it historically. I don't know personally whether people need to repent of sexual sin, pornographic sin, alcohol, drug sins, affair sins, I have no idea. But I know that when Peter brought it down to personal, the only response they had was, what do we do now? And the answer was Jesus. Lord, as we look at that church in the Philippines, would you make us that strong? Give us that kind of courage in Jesus' name.